my podcast back and we're gonna talk to you hey now hey now the podcast back john and russ talking mad about you hey now hey now the podcast back yeah they're gonna talk to buckman's hey you'll be like what the f man what is that that's my boyfriend's back oh yeah i thought oh i bet that's related to the show <laughs> yeah, you bet right, bud. I thought it's my boyfriend's back and there's gonna you're gonna be in trouble. Yeah, that's right. The original uh lyrics. <laughs> no. No, I thought the melody was gonna be different. We're about the boyfriend being back <laughs> and not about <laughs> our podcast. If mad about you was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's mad about, mad about you. Doesn't that mean that she's? Oh, is this guy attacking her? Who the boyfriend? No, the well, third, who's the she? Third who's party. the subject that she's singing to? The third party. Yes. Is my boyfriend's creep. back, and you're gonna be in trouble. Yes. Meaning she's not consenting. Meaning yes, she's not in yes. Arguably, right? He's making advances that she doesn't this want. This third party is making unwanted advances. Perfectly said. Well, that's a pretty intense doo-wop. <laughs> Most doo-wop is. I love it. I love That's a great phrase. Intense doo-wop. Most doo-wop's that's intense? A, that's a fun. I don't know if no. it is. Oh, but Duke of Earl is intense? I'm trying to think. No, it's no, not. Probably not. Duke, probably Duke, Duke, not. Duke of Earl, Earl. Unless you're the Earl of Earl, it's not intense. <laughs> Welcome to Mad About Mad About You. I'm Jonathan Marbley. And I'm Russ Fader. Oh, man. This is the podcast where we talk about the... What's the intro? I don't know. It's not so... You were doing well. You were doing very well. This is the podcast. We talk about what we do on this podcast. Yeah, what, what do we do? We talk about Mad About You. You know what? It's hard. It is hard. <laughs> I was going to say we talk about Mad About Mad About You, but... That's not what we do on the. Actually, you know what? We talk about mad about mad about you way too much on this podcast. That's true. I mean, your opening song was about it. <laughs> We've talked more about mad about mad about you on this episode of the podcast than we have about mad about you by a lot. But the show is young. That's true. Oh, man. John, are you well? Yeah, I'm well. How are you? I am. I'm okay. I'm getting over a cold. I may be a little nasal, maybe a little bit coffee. We'll see. All see right. how the day progresses. So let's talk a little bit about. I wish I had some coffee. I am coffee, and you wish you had coffee. I yeah. understand. Yeah, I understand how those are connected. No, I'm serious. It just made me think of it. I'm very sorry. Okay. Do you want to pause? No, I have Should seltzer here, up? which will come into play later. Ooh, interesting seltzer salsa. <laughs> so this is episode sixty-eight of Mad About Mad About You. We're talking about season three, episode twenty-two of Mad About You, an episode called "My Boyfriend's Back." We already sang the song. It aired on May 11th, 1995. Sure did. We are in the mid-90s. Firmly. And we are going into summer. It sounds so nice, doesn't it? It's just about Christmas time. We're in the middle of December. There's the holiday spirit in the air. That being said, it is a gray and rainy day in New York. And I would love nothing more than for it to be the middle of May right now. Same. Absolutely. Oh, oh. I just looked out the window for the first time. You know, this episode is going to drop after Christmas. That's true. We hope you all had a very merry one. Yeah. For those who celebrated, 
We hope you had a Merry Christmas. And for those who didn't... Solidarity. <laughs> oh, boy, it's so nice to finally be able to say that, isn't it? Merry <laughs> Christmas. Oh, brother. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so, I, I feel like the handcuffs are off. I say it in April now. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I'm leaving the store. Somebody says, have a good day. I say Merry Christmas. They're very confused. That's a little beyond the pale there, Russ. I know part of them is just like, oh, it's good to have it back. You're about to start another war on Christmas. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. So there is no war on Christmas, obviously. Oh, I beg to differ. Christmas is doing just fine. But the fact that our president perpetuates this war so much really makes me want to fight it. But like, well, every president since the '70s has been a wartime president, one way or another. That's a good point. It's <laughs> a very good point. What did Orwell say about the war on Christmas? It's not meant to be won; it's meant to be perpetuated. <laughs> yeah, think of all the money, all the money, all these uh, Christmas war industrialists are making. <laughs> Profiteers. Oh my gosh! On nuclear reindeer. Steven Spielberg alone. movie Santa's List. I could have done more. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that movie. They re-released it in theaters. It'll probably be gone by the time this comes out, though. Uh, Yeah, they re-released it. Yeah, that's right. And it's amazing. It was I've never seen it before. I went. Really? You've never seen it? Yeah. How long do you think it took me to cry? Not through the credits. Opening credits. Oh, yeah, before that. (laughs) Yeah. I think you were crying for the thank you for coming to Lowe's song. Beforehand. Well, no, that's ridiculous. So there is a personal message from Steven Spielberg at the beginning. Oh, is there? Yeah. Is it uh, recorded recently? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's recorded for the re-release. I didn't know if it was just like, hi, I'm 1995 Steven Spielberg. Here's what you're about to see. <laughs> Everyone go visit my submarine sandwich shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're hungry, if you need a bite, if this movie, if this gripping drama about the Holocaust makes you a bit peckish. <laughs> And you need a sub. No, the second they start lighting the Shabbos candle in the first scene, I started crying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. We watched it in high school. Really? Yeah. I we guess watched, that's I mean, good. I watched it at home before that, but also just kind like, of a lazy move by the teacher. Not only by the teacher, the entire grade did it. So like by the school. Oh, OK. I get it. It was an event. It was a moment in time because that movie came out. Then, so. yeah, well, look, that movie came out in 1995. I did this one in 1999, 98, 99. That even makes me happier because you would have been too young to really process the whole. Yes, I just hope all the kids learn about the Holocaust as much as we used to. I don't know if they I do. hope so too. Yeah, anyway, yeah, uh, you know what? <laughs> We're only going to do another 20 to 30 more minutes about the Holocaust before we start talking about a 1990s sitcom. Uh, you know what they say, you start talking about the war on Christmas. You end up talking about Hitler. What did TV Guide have to say about About the the Holocaust? (laughs) Tune in. It was in the (laughs) Jeers section. (laughs) Grumpy villain, parentheses, Adolf Hitler. (laughs) That was a few words. That was a great aspect of that movie, though. There's no Hitler. Yeah. There's more Hitler in Indiana Jones. That's true. Actually. Barely. more book burning in Indiana Jones. Yeah, a lot... Well, it also made me think about how obsessed Spielberg. I guess he only worked the Nazis into Indiana Jones. There's no other movies. Have you seen Temple of Doom? Of course I have. Of course you have. This blew my mind. Did you know that that was a prequel? That makes sense. Yeah. 
I didn't, but that makes a lot more sense. Temple of Doom is a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they did it because they were like, well, okay, it's a second movie. He's got to fight a bigger villain or a different villain, but who's a bigger villain than the Nazis? My people. That they so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, my yeah. father's ancestors. <laughs> who definitely all eat monkey brains in people's hearts. <laughs> Hey, look, they didn't eat that heart. That heart exploded into flames after being removed from his chest while it was still beating, okay? Oh, yeah. I paid 100 bucks to get that done to me when I was in Bombay last year. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Crazy (laughs) Kohalo. That is fascinating, though. That's why the, the first one and the last one feel so connected. Yes. And the middle one feels like an outlier. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad I know that. There you go. All right. TV Guide about this episode says, a client has Jamie working for her former beau, who's created a nasty comic book character that looks like her. I mean... <laughs> All right. This is TV Guide. Very blatantly be like, we're not going to gussy this up. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to try to distract the reader or make them think this is something other than what it is. Here are all of the things. This is what happens for better or worse. Yeah. We're going to uncover... Everything about this episode right now. Leave nothing to the imagination. Well, we'll get to it. Yes, we will. Do you have anything to talk about? I do, but I'm saving it for the middle. Ooh, I do, and I was going to save mine for a little bit later. Wait, really? Well, I thought about it, but it doesn't matter. I can do it right now 100%. We could also just get into the show and... Quite all right, because we could... Now is a good time. As we said (laughs) already... As we said all... Yeah, you're like, I'll be the judge of what the right time is. <laughs> I mean, you were saying you were saving it for the middle. Now this is a good time. Begs so the question, this, does Russ know what a middle is? So this episode, as we said, premiered on May 11th, 1995. Yes. So do you remember what you were doing on May 11th, 1995? No, but Mary Lou Henner would. And you know who else would? Russell Fader. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, the Mets. No. Season opener. <laughs> nope. At Shea Stadium, nope. you caught a fly ball from Willie Mays. <laughs> oh, if only. I'd be, I wouldn't be talking to you now. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think yeah, that you'd if be I talk- living in a Winnebago that you paid cash for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I'd caught a fly ball from Willie Mays 23 years after he had retired. <laughs> then I'd be able to, what, retire off of that? <laughs> Where were you? And not record a podcast with my friend. Yeah, you need this more than anything. (laughs) I was at home. Oh, that's very exciting. I probably was too. Anyway. (laughs) The the end. I was working diligently trying to perfect my Haftorah and the accompanying prayers. my goodness. Because this was May 11th. May 12th, I led the ceremony at the Seaford Jewish Center on Long Island. And May 13th, 1995 was my bar mitzvah, baby. So this is the last one we're recording before you're a man. Before I'm a man. Okay, well, I think we're all going to be expecting a very different performance starting next episode. If you have any questions for Boy Russ, now's the time. That is wild. Yeah. That and makes you know sense. Saturday. Yep. Saturday was the... Did you have a big party somewhere? Ceremony and the party, yep. At the Tivoli Terrace. <laughs> That sounds Italian. The same venue at which my parents were married. No. And that my brother was bar mitzvahed. Yep. Oh, that's uh, Italian, I'm assuming? No, 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 no. Tivoli? Yep. Really? 
It could go either way, I guess. I'm pretty sure it was a kosher menu. I could be wrong about that. Tivoli? Yeah, oh. it depends on how yeah. depends on how you say it. It is one of those words. Or Tivoli. 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 <laughs> yeah. Very nice party. I was sick, as I am now. Are you serious? I was sicker then. I had a cold. Ugh. And That sucks. Yeah, I remember doing my entire Haftorah and all of the stuff that you do on as part of your service. And like all of the singing and chanting and stuff that I did underneath all of it, you know, part of my voice is doing and the rest of my voice is just steadily droning at the same time. You were doing throat singing. Yeah, I turned into a two-thumb throat singer. Yeah, that's amazing. It was pretty wild. You could sing chords when you're sick. I got done with like the bulk of it. It was pretty neat because I knew my I knew my Haftorah. My Haftorah was pretty short. Prayer before, prayer after felt pretty decent about. Mm-hmm. But then there's more stuff to do after that. And so the rabbi, when I got done, was like, "Okay, that was great, very well done." But like you must wanted be exhausted. a break. And then he like he vamped for a while. And then part of the service that I was supposed to lead, he was just like, "We'll take care of this." And so really? like. The part that I was unsure of this one part, uh, or I didn't feel super comfortable with it. Why? I just hadn't practiced. You know, there's always the part of a test or, sure, or whatever sure, that sure. you're just not as comfortable with as the rest of it. Not me, Russ. I'm a great studier. <laughs> you're a master student. But yeah, so I was just like, that part, it just so ha- I was like, okay, I've got to do this part. And it just so happened that he was just like, why don't you take this off? We'll take it from here. And I was wow. like, wow. He should be disbarred. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not really a man. I'm exposing myself to, to yeah. God and all those who love me. Bing bong, knock, knock, ding, ding. Mister, <laughs> Is Mr. Fader here? Yes, sir. Oh, oh, hello. Yes, that's me. You're not officially a man. Oh, no. But I'm 37, nevertheless. Doesn't matter. Are you saying at 37 I have to undergo my bar mitzvah? That's what we're saying. That's a movie. Yeah, it's it's I mean the movie is Billy Madison, but Oh, is that what Billy Madison's about? Kind of. Oh, I never he's really a, saw it. Yeah, he's an idiot and his father's going to leave him his fortune in order to get the fortune. He needs to go back and get his diploma, but he didn't even go to elementary oh. school, so he has to go through all schooling. Oh, so you're talking about a completely different movie? Then what? That's a totally different movie. Than what you just said? Yeah, it's about an um, old man who has to get his bar mitzvah. And Billy Madison is about an, a middle Who has to get his person. GED or whatever. <laughs> it's totally different. You know what? I guess you're right. I forgot about the Jewish man. His is a better movie, I think, but... <laughs> we'll never find out because we're not going to make hours. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Are you kidding? See you in like class with uh, all the other teenage boys? You would like that? I think it could be funny. You were in our class. <laughs> it would have to be an I old was man. hilarious. Like Billy Crystal. Okay. Oh, we're getting Billy. We're casting this thing now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If Billy Crystal's doing this story and I'm not, yeah, absolutely. Bar Mitzvah. Old Mitzvah. Okay, I don't have a working title yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Untitled Bar Mitzvah movie. Sweepstakes. Send us your titles for this Bar Mitzvah movie we're going to make. Yes, that would be great. That would be great. And if you do, we'll write it. <laughs> well, that's cool. wonderful. Yeah, the was theme there a was theme or... the theme was Russell's world because as uh, in Bobby's world, kind of. So the most like, childish theme imaginable. <laughs> basically, it was just like one last hurrah. I couldn't narrow things down where I was just like, I like too many things. 
I like the Hornets, but I also like the oh, saxophone. I see. So the theme was like Russ. Yeah. Or I Russ's like the Mets. I Here's something you'll like. I was like, I like movies. So there was the movies table. Uh-huh. And they said, we can make, we could do art for three different movies. What would you like those three movies to be? Oh, this will be funny. I was like, Back to the Future. Absolutely. So sure. I had a little foam Back to the Future logo on a table. Okay. Jurassic Park. Okay. I love Very Jurassic good. Park. So there was a little sign that just had written Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. What do you think the third movie was? I mean, Russ, it could be a lot of things. That's not true. Should I be able to guess this? No, you shouldn't be able to guess it. And of course, it could be a lot of things. It could be any movie. Mr. Baseball? That's a good guess. Like, I feel like it's going to be like a B-level comedy. <laughs> yeah, that guess is closer to the truth than I'd like it to be. <laughs> Trial and error? Nope. And further also away. a good guess. Further. That's further. Is it a baseball movie? It is not. Is it a sports movie? It is not. Good. Let's 20 questions this. Is it a comedy? Yes. Obviously. Is it a 90s comedy? Early 90s, I believe. Late or 80s, late 80s. Maybe. It was not late 90s. Okay. So I've narrowed it down to is about it... 5,000 movies. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Have I seen it? I'm not sure. Maybe. So we haven't talked about it on the podcast. Probably not. I could see you not seeing this. Okay. You know what? I'm bored. <laughs> Great. What is it? The movie was Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you got a dead guy at the table? I didn't. That would have been great. <laughs> but just a, just a sign that said Weekend at Bernie's. That's hilarious. Of course I've seen it once. Yeah. It was a bit of a letdown. A, a bit of a letdown? It wasn't something that you wanted to say, I have 10 different items that can that I self-identify with that define me as a person <laughs> as this, a 13 year old becoming a man. One of those things is weekend at Bernie. <laughs> oh, brother. I, I was only into it because of Jonathan Silverman. That's why I watched that yeah. movie. Yeah. Cause he the was single great. guy, Andrew McCarthy was great. I don't remember anyone else. So good. So, so good. I think mine would have been 95. So I was in yeah. middle school still. Mm-hmm. That's hard to say. Casablanca. Okay. <laughs> There's almost no people pretending to be dead in Casablanca. If I correctly. <laughs> no, they're all really dead in that really movie. Dead. Yeah, the movie starts with a murder, right? That's true. Singing in the Rain, I think. Great. I still haven't seen that. Oh, and probably like a cartoon. Really? Like the Jetsons or the Flintstones or ideally the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. Oh, Top Cat. Would have been Top Cat. <laughs> Top Cat is definitely the, I guess that's the way that these things work. Like, that's yeah. the weekend at Bernie's for this table of three. <laughs> Casablanca, Singing in the Rain, and Top Cat. <laughs> I don't know. They're all weekend at Bernie's on some level. <laughs> Two classics. And then just the most ridiculous garbage. Yep, that's who I am. <laughs> Which one's the garbage? <laughs> oh gosh so anyway invitations are in the mail everybody we hope to see you at russell's bar mitzvah it's russell's world at the tivoli terrace i don't know if i can don't make miss it. out i mean i'm gonna need a firm yes or no <laughs> my parents are spending a lot of money on this oh thing. man they probably did it's so sweet did. you want to talk about your thing later yeah yeah not much great. later though okay let's get into episode proper oh great so this episode was directed by Michael Lembeck, Can't Shake Great. Him, and it was written by Victor Fresco and Victor Levin. Have we had them write together before? I don't think so. I'm nicknaming them Victor Victoria. Okay. Any episode that the two of them write, 
It's a Victor Victoria. I was going to say Levin Fresco, which sounds oh, like a delicious that's dessert. that's true, too. Levin Fresco, Levin Twist. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I need, I need a palate cleanser. <laughs> hmm. Ooh, a nice Levin Fresco. Oh, that's very good. I want that. They're the palate cleanser of... Oh, Madden is that what this was? <laughs> we'll find out. Did you like it? Kind of. I liked the first half. I liked the first half very much. Which is a trend with yeah. the less legendary episodes. Yes. Very strong first half and then sort of are fine for the... I remember the second half more than the first half. You've seen this before? Yeah. I had no... Christina and my jaws were on the floor at the end. It kind of comes out of nowhere. A lot of it. Kinda. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. It gives him a thing that you didn't expect to be a thing. That is true. And then it goes on for a long time. It sure does. So in this episode, Eric Stoltz is back. He sure is. Which, in my opinion, who needs him? Don't like him. I still don't like him because of what happens later. I like him less. He's an idiot. Yeah, he's boring. I'm like, he's not a good actor. I don't think he's... Uh, Okay, well, I don't want to go that far. I mean, you know, uh, it's a little harsh. I like him in Pulp Fiction. That's probably it. Okay. I also haven't seen him a ton. But, uh, so you like performances of his? That's true. John, you're being very reserved. Is he in the room with you? <laughs> Eric, what Russ means is he. <laughs> well, I wrote starting with, okay, so the show is sort of broadly shaped around Jamie and Fran's business. They, they have a new right. client, Ralphie's Diner. And they're busy with that client and another client called People of the Rug or something. You know, they have a lot of meetings and stuff during the day. And Paul is shooting a new documentary that is shooting and editing all night every day. So they make a date for, quote, next Tuesday, whatever that is. Right. Next Tuesday. A one hour date. Pizza. From five to six. Five to six. That's how crazy their schedules are. So we sort of watch all these different things play out. Leading up to that date. That sounds great to me, by the way. Oh, yes. you're bu- Paul's busy and Jamie's busy and they've got to figure out times to get together and deal with oh, what it is to Russ, be busy. That is a much better episode. Right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'd love to see them do that. I would too. That's not what this is. They set no. up this time thing and then it's all, it's sort of like, all right, well, we'll see you when the plot comes back together around minute Basically. 18. Yeah, yes, 100%. (laughs) More or less. There's some good stuff in the middle. But I don't know. Is there anything you liked? I had a lot of things I liked. Yeah, I feel like there were things that I liked for sure. I liked Ira. I was in this scene for a minute. And uh, we're going to hear him right now. Hey, James, how you doing? Good, we're just running down. One thing, all right? It's totally up to you. But I was talking to this buddy of mine who does these, these comic book conventions, right? And again... Totally up to you, but if we wanted to make a little extra money, you know, I mean, just, you know, taking your picture with the people, stuff like that. No. You know, totally up to you. I know. Easy money. I know. Really easy I money. So, okay, so you think about it. That's a clip from the end of the episode. So let's get a little bit of context. Yeah, so Jamie's ex-boyfriend is working on uh, Ralphie of Ralphie's Diner, hired him independently to do some art for the diner. That's yeah. how Jamie and him sort of like their world collide again. And then Ira, in conversation, because Jamie wants Ira and Lisa's opinion on the ugly diner art that this dude, her ex-boyfriend, made for Ralphie. When Ira hears his full name, he's like, oh, that guy wrote some big comic book that's coming out. 
Yep. They said it's going to be bigger than X-Men. It's called Mega Void. (laughs) (laughs) So we find out that that comic book is sort of based around the idea character named Queen Falcon or Talon, Queen Talon. Talon, yes. Who is based on Jamie, but is extremely evil. Yes. Looks just like her. So as all that's happened, and we'll get all of that later, at the very end, Iris shows up and he's just learned about like comic conventions and he's trying to tell her that she can make a lot of money selling autographs at these different conventions. Yeah, this exchange is really, really great, <laughs> as you just heard. That makes me laugh very much. He's always got an angle. I love it. <laughs> he's such a scumbag. Totally up to you. <laughs> he really affects a, a lot of me. I love him. Like, I think I, I based a lot so of my speech patterns. Absolutely. I didn't realize it, though. Now that we've been doing this, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, here's my Ira. other. While we're, while we're in an Ira mode, yep. this is my other favorite Ira line from this episode, which happens yep. like moments. Or no, in the scene before the one I, Russ just played. What comic book? Uh, Mega something. Hold on just a cotton picking minute. <laughs> John Pankow saying cotton picking minute. <laughs> it's so satisfying. <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> I think because of all the hard consonants. It's pretty good. Because you want to hear a hard consonant, like right in that like New York Jewish yeah. accent mm-hmm. pocket. Sure. You know? He does great. Yeah. Okay, so you like that. Jen wants to know how many different... She basically said that Paul's Wheelhouse is... Yes. Documentaries of the last blank in New York. Yes. So this documentary is about the last milkman in New York. I agree. He loves doing lasts. Yep. And he loves doing night shoots. Also true. It didn't occur to me that a milkman's job. At one point, Paul's like, I have to be to the dairy barn at 6 p.m. Yeah, that's interesting. Because he's like, I got to be back at the dairy barn at 6. And then we shoot till dawn. So weird. Yeah. I didn't think that was the case. Just like, oh, is that when they started uh, tugging on the udder? I didn't think so. It must be. I thought udder work was. You're right. That's separate. Sunshine work. Well, and also they had to pasteurize and everything. So sure. They probably do that. You know what, John? I'm not sure what the answer is. We got to see this movie. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to cover that as much as it's going to cover this last milkman. We've got more questions than answers. Speaking of Last Milkman, mm-hmm. that reminded me of an article I had come across about a year ago in the New York Times. Interesting. Is this your seamless transition back into the John segment? Dateline. Go ahead. It's back. Out of fizz, Brooklyn senior seltzer man passes the torch <gasps> by Corey Kilgannon, July 9th. Uh-huh. Old seltzer men never die. Eli Miller, 84, used to tell customers they just lose their spritzer. <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Even by age 80, Mr. Miller, who delivered seltzer in Brooklyn for more than half a century, was beginning to lose his fizz physically. (laughs) The New York Times loves starting starting these articles with a lot of puns. Yeah. Even while we're reading articles from 30 years ago. Right. Or 20. His back was shot, and he was finding it harder to clean and jerk the 70-pound wooden cases of heavy, rattling seltzer bottles onto his shoulder. But Mr. Miller, a lifelong bachelor... Kept working for one reason. My customers are my family, he said, adding that no customer of his should ever have to resort to store-bought seltzer. No way I'm going to let my family drink that dreck, he said, using the Yiddish word for dirt. Thank you. (laughs) So Mr. Miller, the affable senior statesman to the handful of remaining seltzer delivery men in New York City, used hand trucks. He cut down his hours. He asked customers to meet him downstairs and carry their own cases. Which is brutal, because don't you feel like with that confrontation, there's a part of you as a customer that would be like, 
Hey, how about you bring? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have to go. I've got to go downstairs. I've got to walk down six flights of stairs. The seltzer guy is here. Yeah, sort of. This is sort of defeating the purpose of hiring you. Yeah. A little. At least a little bit. I'm going to get a soda stream from Amazon delivered. <laughs> I think of this like, and this is not fair. You know, when delivery folks come by, you go downstairs and you meet them. But I somehow I'm like, no, you know what? If the exterminator comes, they have to come to me. And I put yeah. seltzer delivery guy in the same category as exterminator. Well, no, absolutely. Come up to my apartment. Especially in New York. That's the whole reason you get it delivered. Yeah. You don't want to go up and down true. the steps. That is true. I And you don't want to go outside if it's raining. My building, we now have to go down to pick it to, to the door regardless. There's no letting people in and up. Oh, why? So. Buzzer's broken? It's our system, yeah. Everyone, <laughs> there's no more buzzer in Russ's apartments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go nuts. <laughs> Come on by. I <laughs> uh, hope the mafia is not listening. It's more secure. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got to go through me. Uh, no, that's super secure, actually. Yeah. There's no way to get in. There's no just like, hey, buzz me in. Ugh, mine has a buzzer. You got to move. <laughs> yeah, I want an armed doorman downstairs. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Recently, New York City's oldest seltzer man officially retired, but he managed to pull off something of, of passing of the torch by selling his route to the city's youngest seltzer man, Alex Gomberg, 29. Good name. Mr. Gomberg's family owns Gomberg Seltzer Works in Canarsie, the last seltzer factory in the city and the place where Mr. Miller has been filling his bottles since March 10, 1960, a time when there were still hundreds of seltzer men delivering throughout the city. Quote, Wow. Listen, everything comes to an end. It just became too much for me. There you go. <laughs> uh, oh, Mr. Miller explained to a doorman in a building on Eastern Parkway. Like, I don't think he... It's all very Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't think he's making Manhattan deliveries. I also love the idea of him, like, this reporter followed him for the day, and he got to the doorman, and he decided to say to the doorman, uh, you know, this is my last delivery. Listen, it all it happens to everybody. It's just like, yeah. And the doorman's like, great. Four flights up. I don't know. Yeah, what to yeah, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gomberg is new to Miller's Row, but uh, he's not new to the business. He started the Brooklyn Seltzer Boys. Doesn't that sound hip? Ooh, a delivery rivalry. S- yeah, five years ago to his 300 customers, Mr. Gomberg was adding Mr. Miller's 80 customers and his crates of roughly 2,000 hand-blown bottles of thick, colorful glass with pewter spin on- siphon tops. The bottles were made mostly in Czechoslovakia in the 30s. And Mr. Wow. Miller said he could have made more money selling them as antiques. But he wanted to make sure Alex had enough bottles to serve the customers. I didn't ask him for much money because my goal was to leave my customers in good hands. Very nice. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. So it's 40 bucks for a 10-bottle case. So $4 a bottle. Yeah. And they're like, seltzer bottles are pretty hefty, I feel like, right? I mean, yeah. Is that a good deal or not? I can't tell. Look, you're probably going to spend about, let's say, this may cost you a buck 50 pick it up at the store yeah but that's but not a, that's not is, fresh seltzer this is from a seltzeria that's right oh this is great mr Artisanal miller seltzer mr miller and mr gomberg headed to another building on eastern parkway quote tell the seltzer guys here mr miller said to the doorman and headed up to the apartment of frank and lois Voitiki, also longtime customers mr miller told miss Voitiki that he had known mr gomberg's great-grandfather great-grandfather mo who opened Gomberg Seltzer Works in 1953, and his grandfather, Pacey, who, t- I mean, I guess I'm just reading fun names. 
<laughs> this is boring for people, isn't it? Mo? Wait, Mo, the seltzer guy? I mean... No way. And Pacey? Yeah. Irv Resnick? What a great name. It's a good name. Uh, this sounds delicious, though. These century-old Barnett and Foster seltzer machines to pump triple-filtered New York City tap into the bottles at 60 pounds of pressure per square inch, which also feels I, like a lot. Do you mind if I interrupt with a request from our listeners based on stuff that we just kind of talked about? No, but I just got to a great part. So you go, then I'll go. Great. Okay. So we were talking names like Pacey and Irv. These names are, except for Pacey, kind of, these names are dying out. There's not a whole lot of Moe's. There's not a whole lot of Irv's. That's true. Being given to babies. But I know of two babies born in the past four years named Leonard. That's amazing. Right? They're Leonard's. So sometimes they're Leonard, sometimes they're Lenny. And I am delighted by these young babies with old names. Yeah, because so, it makes your baby a middle-aged man. It really does. Hey, Lenny. It's, it's my favorite thing. While you're pacifier. So listeners, if you have any babies in your life with old names, I want to find out about them. Yes. I want to hear about the Blanches. I want to hear about the Ednas. The Burt's. The, oh, a Burt. I would love a Burt. Or Barry, even. Oh, tell us all about them, please. <laughs> oh, go ahead, John. You were saying. On the way, Mr. Miller said customers often asked to join them for the meals and invited them to family functions. Some leaned on him for emotional support, including a New York City fire department captain haunted by the randomness of having survived the collapse of the World Trade Center. What year was this from? This is the Seltzer article. The Seltzer guy says, quote, I was their confessor. Holy their family moly. priest. Wow. The route even claimed his own father, he said. He died of a heart attack while helping his son carry cases of seltzer up some stairs. Whoa. We're hey, John, you know what? Uh, there's a real story here. No, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, there's a movie about this seltzer guy now, and it's a good one. He has to return 13 by the time he's 80. <laughs> Mr. Miller recalled watching Willie Mays play center field for the New York Giants. Willie Mays again? At the polo grounds. Wow. And said that even as a seltzer man, there comes a time it leaves you. The athleticism and responses. Holy moly. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I did not expect to be touched by this story of the seltzer. Me neither, quite frankly. I remember reading about another, there was another seltzer story about seltzer men in the Times a few years ago. And it talked about uh, Orthodox Jews who would hire this guy and drank the seltzer as if it was their coffee. And said the bubbles would wake them up. I hate that. <laughs> it made me start doing it a little. Did it really? I think it's psychosomatic, but yeah. I'm sure it is. That, ugh, no, thank you. Nothing keeps me awake more than trying to connect to my quarter Jewish roots. I hate seltzer. Really? Yeah. I like flavored seltzer, kind of. Plain seltzer, hate it. Flavored seltzer? Get out of here. Oh, you mean chocolate seltzer? Like a phosphate? No, I mean, I mean like... Oh, cherry and lemon lime? Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, like a lemon line or... Oh, you disgusting. drink LaCroix all the time. Yeah, I just finished one. Now I'm under Dr. Yeah, Pepper. Yeah, that's what this is. This isn't seltzer. This is sparkling water. <laughs> well, well, excuse me. <laughs> I'll go straight to hell. So yeah, Paul is doing The Last Milkman. Very interesting. And I'm sure he's finding just as compelling a story. God willing. So <laughs> there's a moment. What else do I like about this episode? I like Hal. Yes. Hal's got a couple of great moments. So I miss one. Maggie, but I like Hal. I also miss Maggie, but... Paul kisses Jamie out in the hallway and Hal steps out into that hallway and immediately says, please don't do that. Yes. It's very funny. A lot of big kisses between Paul and Jamie in this episode. 
Yeah. The cold Let's open about... has like three. Yeah. That build in, three... build in um, intensity. Yeah. In the cold open, Paul hangs up the phone and says to Jamie, I need you to kiss me like no man has ever been kissed. And she kisses him once. He said, no, I've, uh, I've been kissed like that before. Again, still not doing anything. Then she really lays one on him and he is shook. This would not happen. What do you mean? I mean, I don't think that it, if you're lucky enough to be able to be like, hey, I need you to really lay one on me. I need you to kiss me like a man who's never been kissed before. Maybe she'll kiss you the one time and really give it to you, really mean it. She won't do it again if you tell her, nah, I've had that. Yeah. By hey, the, yeah. hey, toots, I've been there, yeah. done that. Maybe she'll even think it's cute if you do it a second time. The third time, she's saying, what's going on? <laughs> what happened on the phone? Yeah. I am not kissing you again. Yeah, you might now, be right. You might be right. Now it feels personal. Yeah. I just gave you two really good kisses, and you don't want it? That's not enough for you. I feel like you're taking advantage of our relationship. Yeah. And I am not a piece of meat. But that third one was much better. So you're saying. She, so she look, was she, holding back. She was learning. I mean, a little. Yeah. <laughs> he gave her a little push. He negged her. Yeah, you're you're right. That's actually <laughs> oh, exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. He started with an aggressive premise. I need you to kiss me. Because she's conditioned by the patriarchy to deliver whatever a man says he needs, she gives it to him. He says, no, still needs to please her man, does it again, and then leaves it all on the the table. Yeah, Paul Buckman did read the game. (laughs) That's how he got her in the first place. (laughs) Oh, you know what I love? What's that? So Ralphie, Jamie and Fran's big client, is just the owner of a local diner somewhere in the city. Feels like Queens you know what almost. You're about to say. Oh, do you? I might. You could feel the Mad About You writers going after New York diners so hard. Uh-huh. And it's so funny. Yeah. I think. Because within two minutes, Ralphie tries to serve them pancakes, clams, yep. lobster, yep. beets, yep. and pudding. Yep. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, and then when uh, her ex walks in, who Ralphie hired independently, we get this exchange. Oh, sure. We've uh, we've worked together before and stuff. Hi, friend. <laughs> hey, you want a lobster? Sure. Sure. Good. Have a seat. And this didn't strike me as funny the first time, but I do think sure is a very funny response to want a lobster. <laughs> uh, you know what? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course I want a lobster. But yeah, that segue from, I was just like, I talked myself into, I was like, he didn't just say pancakes, did he? He probably mm-hmm. said crab cakes mm-hmm. and then offered clams. It's a seafood joint. And then I listened back. I watched again. I was like, oh, from pancakes straight to clams. It's amazing. This is the grossest place. Uh, that's diners, man. That is diners. All I want to know is where was the linguini? The linguini Alfredo. I remember there were like unspoken rules about going to diners with my family. Yeah, like what you don't order. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, don't get the seafood at a diner. Yeah. Don't get the pasta even. Don't get the pasta at a diner. A basic cooked meat on a, on bread. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or, or like breakfast. breakfast. That's right. Yeah. Period. The end. Smart. A pudding. A they get so soup. ambitious at these places. Y- yeah. I love when, uh, ah, it doesn't matter. More diner talk? Whenever Gordon Ramsay has a kitchen nightmare, he ends up at usually diner-esque kind of places sometimes. And he just looks at the menu. Sure. And he's like, why is your menu 25 pages? Right. And I say the same thing. It's like, are you people out of your minds? Hone your small skill set. In fact, even... You could go Greek even if you're Greek. 
Sure. That's your fun page. You get a fun page for your ethnicity or your favorite dishes. Like these are these are dishes from home. They might seem unrelated, but I can curate them for you right here. It's a combination of the best and the worst because there are definitely times where I'm just like, I'll surprise myself. I'll go and I'll be like, ooh, I can't wait for a burger and fries. And then I'll get there and I'll be like, oh, no, instead of burger and fries, I'm going to get an omelet. Right. And that option wouldn't be there if you were to narrow the menu down. Ross, that's a great point. But it does still fall within our guideline. If we narrowed the menu down, we'd be good. That's true. And I think everyone will be happy. I'm glad we're going to open a diner. (laughs) That is the worst business. Of course it is. Ugh. No, but I mean diners specifically. You have to do so much. Yeah. Oh, like fruit, ice cream, vegetables, steaks, fish, different kinds of bread, eggs and mass. It's fun. All the desserts. They have a million desserts. Yeah. It's fun being old enough to remember a time when it was just like, don't order the dessert that's in the. Oh, the case. The case. Because it will taste like cigarettes because the case is right near the smoking section. And that happened to me a lot. Russ, that is some old world wisdom. Right? No, that's a New York specific because we didn't have diners when I was a kid, really. In Ohio or wherever. Philippines? Yeah. I mean, they had diners, but they didn't have like the display case. Right. That is like very specific to certain parts of the country, I think. You may be right. That is great. It was pretty old school. And so is Ralphie's Diner. And his mustache is great. Ralphie's played by an actor named John Polito, who looked familiar to me, but I don't know why. He's been in a ton of stuff. From I know what? him from Blank Man. Yes, very good. He's That's insane. The bad guy from Blank Man. He was also he in several Coen Brothers. He passed away a couple years ago. Something yeah, how'd you know that? I remember when he died. Wow. He reminds me of a character actor I would have loved had I known him. Who's that? John Polito. I'm saying oh, so he's sort of like an Ernie Sabella he type. He seems like he would be a guy who you would have... Yeah. Yes. He was in Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Man yep. Who Wasn't There, several Coen Brothers flicks. He was in the revival of Death of a Salesman in the 80s on Broadway with Dustin Hoffman. Really? And John Malkovich. And wow. guess who else? Brian Dennehy. It's Bert, your father. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Louis Zurich wow. was in it. I didn't know that. Little mad about you crossover. That's pretty neat. Who would have thought it? Not me. Do you think when they were doing doing that production years later? We got to ask Paul. (laughs) Boy, we could have a real harebrained interview with this guy if he ever comes on the show. (laughs) Why wouldn't he want to come on the show to have two strange middle-aged people ask questions about? Paul, do you think Louis Zurich in the 80s thought he might get to work indirectly again with his co-star from Death of a Salesman on your sitcom? And be honest. (laughs) This guy's great. I'm sad we only have one scene with him. He's very good. Quite honestly. I could almost take him as a staple of the show. Yeah? Because he's so excited, too. He's so excited about his diner and his food, and he loves his business. So the ad campaigns that are designed by Jamie and Fran versus... Alan. This is where it starts to go down. <laughs> yeah. Jamie and Fran are like, oh, we'll use you. You'll be the face. Which and is a great idea. Sure. I can see the commercials. Yeah, absolutely. And Alan has turned him into a dog, a talking dog. Named character. Ralph. Yeah. Which. Get it? I mean, I mean, fine. Whatever. No, it's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Patently bad. It is. It's a. Bad idea. I don't necessarily disagree. I Look, I think they're both bad ideas, frankly. But clearly like, Ralph is around. Make him the face yes. of the diner. It's his diner. Why would you sure. make up a thing like a dog? 
Also, nobody wants to eat dog food. Yeah. Like, why would you have a dog sell the food? I don't know. Why, why don't you have you a have rat it? up there who's like, hey, I eat gummy. Oh, wow. We never curse on here. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but you know what I mean? 68 episodes. <laughs> I get passionate about food. We're earning our explicit logo, our explicit <laughs> tag now. But you know what I'm saying? Like, why, you don't put a dog as your icon. Sure. As your mascot. Well, I mean, look, exactly. And why would you put a tiger for uh, Frosted Flakes? And why would you put a rabbit for Trick Cereal? And uh, why would... Why Those would are all different. A, they're not cooked foods, so it's a lot more palatable. Mm-hmm. B, tigers and rabbits are not as gross as dogs. Oh, people <laughs> like dogs, don't they? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> they kiss them and stuff. <laughs> I forgot. Oh my god, that's great. Paul's schedule. You want to talk about that a little bit? I love that bit. Sure. He climbs into bed and gets super comfortable, and the second he does, Jamie's alarm goes off. Yeah. Because he's climbed into bed after shooting all night, and Jamie's getting up for work. Yeah. And she's like, "How are you going to manage this schedule? It's insane." Yeah. And he sort of rambles off his approach. How are you going to do this all week? It's easy. Sleep till dinner, and that feels like breakfast. And I shoot till sunrise. That feels like twilight. I come home for breakfast. That feels like dinner. And I watch a little Regis. Feels like Leno. (laughs) Watch a little Regis feels like Leno. Really? Yeah, it was fun. That was a nice... Mad nice about you, nice, kind of nice little bit of business. There. Yeah, that ah, that's Russ's tagline. So yeah, so that's what Paul and Jamie are up to. Oh, and he does a dig me again. He does do a dig me. Oh, I forgot to look uh, up who he's digging. He's digging. So Paul uh, puts Arlene a, Francis. Yeah, he puts a sleep mask on and he turns to wow, Jamie. Jamie, I was like, I Elaine? forgot earlier. Yeah. Jamie and uh, says, dig me. I'm Arlene Francis. Yep. So Arlene Francis was an old actress mm-hmm. who was often on a show called What's My Line. Okay. Yeah, you've seen that before on YouTube? I've heard of it, but I can't remember the, the specifics. I've watched it in the past a little because Groucho was on it a lot. Andor hosted okay. it, I think, for a while. Yep. I think and you're right. uh there's just a lot of famous celebs that appear. It was it's like a celebrity game show, sort of. And I think sure. sometimes they'd have a random American. Come on, and the panel of celebrities would have to guess something about that person through 20 questions. Great. Like what they do for a living or whatever. And then sometimes it seems like, and this could be all wrong. They say, what's my line? What's the third movie that's on your bar mitzvah? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Except back then they said picture. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And then other times it seems like they would have a celebrity come on. And when they did that, because you'd be able to recognize them, everyone would have to wear sleep masks. Okay. And then they would only go by their ears. And the gotcha. person would usually do like a weird voice or whatever. Right, right, right. And they'd ask questions like, are you an entertainer? And they'd be like, uh, no, or whatever. Or, or yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm an entertainer. Exactly. Hang on a second while I take a puff of my cigar. Yeah, yeah. So the sleep mask. That's uh, Groucho if you were also W.C. Fields, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's a horrible <laughs> Groucho impression. Sorry about both of those. Not things. a horrible W.C. Fields, I don't think. No. It's horrible as W.C. Fields when you know it was supposed to be Groucho. That's true. Sorry to all those I've offended. (laughs) So it's a sleep mask reference, essentially. Right. That's fun. It's very fun. So Paul's exhausted. Later on, they find out that, hey, this comic exists and Jamie is a nightmare person in it. And Jamie plays the rest of the episode pretending to be cool with the fact that she is being featured in this comic as a huge villain. Yes. 
I have this clip. You want to play? Yeah. Hi. 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 How you doing? Great. Oh, you saw it. Yeah. Aren't I evil? Well, I wouldn't say evil exactly. Honey, come on. I mean, a little testy, maybe. Please, but... I'm pretty bad. You know what, sweetie? I got recognized at school today. Really? All the way across the quad. Talon, Talon, Talon. You weren't bothered by this? No, yeah, there was that one sophomore I dismembered, but what the heck, a girl's got to eat. <laughs> this is one of the prime examples, I'd say, of this episode having Jamie playing a very typical feeling 90s sitcom plot. Yeah. But elevating it with her performance. I agree. She made it funny, but the whole time was just like, yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like Mad About You. It felt like just a sitcom. Absolutely. Like plug and play. I completely agree. There's nothing specific about it. Like, why didn't the comic feature uh, Jamie Buckman attributes? You know what I mean? It was so broad. It was like, she's just evil. Yeah. Instead of like lying or like. It doesn't feel honest. Yes. Where the things that she's picking out, you know, oh, I accidentally put a few holes in a sweater and all of a sudden I'm blowing up the planet cardigan, which is a funny joke. Russ, that's great. That's a funny joke, but it's just like, calm down. Oh, that's your... That's my take anyway. Do you lo- you like that? Plain old like that? That's in the episode? Yep. I missed that. That's later on when she approaches, or that's at the end of the episode where she goes to Alan and screams at him. Oh, I was sort of checked out by then both times I watched it. Yeah, she kind of, because she says like, this whole thing is about our relationship. And then she picks like four different things in which he blew small things out of proportion. Right. That's kind of funny. I mean, maybe. Okay. All right. Back to differ. Yeah. Agree. You're wrong. <laughs> I really like the posters that yes. are all over. Me too. It, so there's interstitial B-roll. Yeah. It is interstitial I-roll. Uh, no. Which, just like. <laughs> so we know that this comic's going to be big. We've established that Jamie's the villain and she's the face of the comic. So now we get B-roll shots of this comic book cover as an advertisement being posted all over every iconic landmark in New York City. It's in Times Square. It's it, wasn't that a fun shot, though? Bridge. Like an old shot of Times Square? That's what I'm saying. Like, all these shots look very bizarre. No, they <laughs> and don't. very old and oh, anachronistic. Sure. It's fun. Yeah, Lincoln Center. Yeah, the poster's at NYU. Oh, is there? I think so. Ah. I thought so. The side no. of a... Uh, oh, that's where the truck's... When there's a truck? The side of a plane truck. Just a white truck with two posters on the side. I don't know if there's an NYU. There was a pillar, which I thought looked collegiate, so I thought that it was NYU. I connected a few dots. Lincoln Center? Could have been. The pillar's in front of uh, A.B. Fisher Hall? Could have been. Is that what you were thinking of? I think that's what you were thinking of. (laughs) I I think was. (laughs) Lincoln Center, the Brooklyn Bridge, Grand Central. And then, did you bring this up because of the last one? I sure did. That's not... uh, So... There's a taxi cab pulling away. Yep. <laughs> with a gigantic billboard sort of mounted on the back of it, which feels yeah. like a safety hazard. It's the size of a card table. Yeah, it this can't be real. completely block the field of your vision. Right? Or your, your field of vision. And also it would fall off. Yep. If you went above like 30. Yeah. Or jerked. It also blocks your license plate. Yeah, okay. So yeah, they rigged that up. The, the thing is the clips that hold it in place looked so like they were built for that. Yeah. That's what was weird. It seems completely fake. Yeah, agreed. And which also I'm like, I don't know why you need that. You don't. It's everywhere. We got it. Yeah. We understand. It's a very popular comic book. <laughs> this independent comic book. <laughs> yeah. Called Megavoid. 
with brand yeah. new characters. It's going to be bigger than X-Men. So the day it comes out, he's going to be doing a signing at Mikey's. <laughs> Maybe that's a joke. We got to get the word out to the people. Maybe that's a conceptual joke. We got to get the word out to these five people. By the way, Mikey's is 100% just a video store with comics in it. You're right. It's the video store It's set. the video store. And instead, uh, they have swapped out 1,000 comic books where videos used to be. One, oh, Russ, you nailed it. That's so true. We get a confrontation between uh, Jamie and her ex at his signing. And I right. thought, this reminds me so much of when Elaine confronts Jake Jarmel at his book signing. Oh, interesting. About who said, who had the final word in their relationship or something. Right, 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 right. Yeah, which is but, another way of saying what I thought. What? Which is to say the whole last word thing is completely... It's not a thing to this show. Also, I don't think it's a thing. I don't think it's much of a thing either. Maybe it was back then when people were better at breaking up. Maybe. Now we're like, oh, we're broken up. Are we hanging out tomorrow? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, oh, we're broken up because I haven't responded to your texts in four days. Oh, sure. So you get it. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now we want the other person to have the last word. <laughs> yeah. And the last word being, hey, we still on for Tuesday? <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh. Uh, you know what? I don't remember, and who cares? Fair enough. One thing they get into when she confronts him is she is very frustrated about the difference between who and whom. Well, when you think of where we were five years ago or even last week, and now you're you're coming to my signing, I mean, good for us, huh? Good for who? Whom? Don't do that. <laughs> you always did that to me. Do you have any idea how annoying that is? Yeah. I'm like, that is something that Paul gets mad at you about, Jamie. Yeah, that's why it's funny. It's funny that the shoe's on the other foot, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that that is a deliberate move on behalf of the writers? Yeah. Okay. What, are you kidding? No. Why wouldn't that be? That's clearly a deliberate move. Maybe. Or it could just be who versus... Because she misuses who and whom. In this scene. In this scene. And normally, Paul misuses who and whom. Yes. And she annoys him by correcting him. Yes. So it seems strange that she'd have the, it seems either strange or very funny that she would have the same criticism. Oh, Russ. John's rubbing his eyes. What, because I don't understand comedy? Clearly, you don't. (laughs) That is such a joke. It's a good one. Hey, do you think the writers realized that Ira's idea about the Comic-Con autographs was actually a bad idea? Or do you think they thought it was a good idea and we're meant to think it's a good idea as well? Well, I don't know. Were there any other episodes wherein Ira talked about how bad <laughs> Comic Cons were and how they're terrible ideas and he hates them? Russ, and hypocrisy then this one, is funny. Saying... <laughs> and this is such a clear, specific, on the nose moment of hypocrisy by Jamie. But these things are spread out by these are two scenes that I can think of this one and then another one. Spread out by months and months, if not years. I can't believe we're having this conversation. It's so patently obvious. Here's to the, us who are doing a deep dive analysis of a uh, we watch one show. episode every two weeks. These people are watching <laughs> it every one week. We're less good at this than they were. Yeah, they're watching twice <laughs> as much bad about you as we are. <laughs> the only thing I'll maybe give you, which I th- still think is one hundred percent wrong, is that Jamie made the choice with that line. To get extra upset to make it an antithesis to how she always upsets Paul. Okay. But that's not, they wrote that on purpose. So we're in agreement. Great. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, Jamie explodes and it's fine. We get a fun kind of frustrating. We get a fun joke from Paul. So Helen Hunt, after that clip we played before where she's acting like she's okay and she's not. Yeah. And Paul and Fran can tell that she's upset. And uh Paul's sort of at a loss of what to do, and he goes, I wonder how Catwoman's husband would deal with this. Right. That's funny. That was one of the late episode laughs for me. Yeah. One of a few. <laughs> the kid so, being scared of Jamie Fields are very Seinfeld. Yeah. Right? They go in it an felt elevator. Like cartoony. Yes, that's Titans. that's true. Yeah. Because yeah, they the elevator, elevator opens and a mom yeah. and her kid are about to get on, and the kid sees Jamie and just starts freaking out. Right. And then Jamie's sort of aggressive and is like, Are you getting on? And the kid screams and runs away. <laughs> End of the episode, Jamie leaves the what's it called? The comic book shop. They get back to the apartment and Paul's there. With Fran and Jamie has forgotten about their pizza date. Before this, Jamie was making some. She took like a bunch of store bought bagels, opened one up, and put it in the microwave. Oh yeah! So nuke uh, Thomas's bagel. Been there, done that. Boy, oh boy! It's not a great thing, but it is a real thing. Come on, you guys. You're New Yorkers. Have a little self respect. You can't drink here. seltzer. <laughs> There's never been a time that that sentence has been said. <laughs> With such vitriol. Oh. <laughs> a cutting blow. <laughs> you can't drink seltzer for the knockout. I'm just saying in, back off the microwave bagel, pal. In round nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, so... Paul takes an English muffin. He's got some sauce. He's got some cheese. And they're going to make some pizza at home. Oh, yeah. This is In adorable. order to have a uh, date night because Jamie's feeling a lot of self-doubt. And Paul forgoes his shooting because she's like, it's six o'clock, though. And he like, he's like, hey, yeah, whatever. I've got date night. Yeah. yeah. She's worried that she really is that terrible. Right. And Paul's just like, I didn't know you then. I knew you now. I know you now. And I like you now. Yeah. We got the adult full house moment there. Yeah. And then the episode ends. You know, uh, the then... knock-knock, bing-bong, ring-ring of uh, this episode is the yeah. her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. They all have one. <laughs> he just they shows all up. have one. Anyway, keep going. Oh, you forgot to mention Paul making the pizza. I just did. No, but the adorable thing he does. Oh, him flipping the English yeah, muffin Yeah, he flips in the, the English muffin in the air like it's pizza dough. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun. As she lovingly looks at him, we go to the animated portion of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, the last three minutes, two two to three minutes, maybe? or yeah. um, maybe one to two, I'd say, but sure. Animated in the style of an old Hanna-Barbera action cartoon, like Johnny yep. Quest or Shazam or... Yeah, a comic book starring Helen Hunt as the villain who throws... Queen Falcon. Talon. Queen Talon. What a bad name. Bad names. It should be Queen Falcon. Queen Talon throws, I guess, Megavoid into the sun, right. who is Alan... For being annoying and always needing to get the last word. Yeah, it's always so broad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, also, I can't believe it's last word again. Yeah. After so. the long last word exchange we have at the comic book shop. They do like beat for beat, line for line in this animated part. It's which like, I guess they're like, oh, you know, it would be fun if we just drew this thing that we already saw. Right. Because then Paul shows up and he's knight in shining armor, kind of, and he's got quips. And then she turns back into regular old Jamie and... Uh, and on they go. Right. And the episode ends. And then the tag is Paul and Jamie. Paul's on the phone with his mom, relaying conversations and questions to Jamie about her comic character. Oh, wait. Can I ask you one question? 
please. And then we'll end. Yeah. I was wearing a number five hat. What is is that like Jackie Robinson or something or Willie Mays or another Willie Re- Mays reference? Fantastic. <laughs> Jackie Robinson was number forty-two. That's right. That number is that. retired everywhere. Willie Mays was number twenty-four. Okay. But number five is Joe DiMaggio. Ah, nice. Or if you're a new New York Mets fan, it's David Wright. Oh, yeah. He's really blocking out that Joe DiMaggio legacy. (laughs) Slightly more significant, Joey D. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, man. Fun. Cool hat. (laughs) So that's this episode. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, fine is right. Yeah. I wish that we got to see the episode that they didn't make of just Paul and Jamie having a busy week. They might have made it. It might might happen later in the series. That's a good point. I have no idea. That's a good point. But yeah. I enjoyed talking about it with you. And really, John, that's all that matters. Indeed. So, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, thank you for listening to us talk about this episode. If you like this episode or this podcast in general, John, what can the people do? Here's what you can do. You can write and review us on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If there's a way to review us, that would be great. Particularly, though, uh, the Apple Store is the best place to do it. As that is the podcast hub of the world. Yes. You can also email us, madaboutupod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at madaboutupod or Facebook us at madaboutupod. You can find us anywhere, really. And uh, we love hearing from you. And uh, thank you for listening. You can also listen anywhere. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, the good old Apple Podcasts. I think that's everything. Great. Tune in again, won't you? Oh, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend, won't you? Rate and review, won't you? It sounds like we're giving you a lot to do. It does, actually. But <laughs> Tell somebody that you love them in real life. Why don't you? No, tell someone you love no. this. <laughs> <laughs> That'll imply that you love them. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, Russ, people don't need to hear they're loved as much as they think. <laughs> it's much more important that they know what podcast people love. Yeah, they need to be shown that people love them by having great <laughs> podcasts recommended to them. <laughs> Actions speak louder than words. There you go. Yeah, love is a verb, John. We've got the theme song, and the theme song sounds like this. It's by John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. It's the best theme in the biz. Our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. Find him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Nathan, D-I-F-F-E-E. Diffo, you're wonderful. Oh, and our sound was mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Vuk, thank you so much. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. It's another episode in the books. We're winding down on this season. Not a lot left. Very exciting. Tune in again, won't you? John, we'll do this again? Yeah, absolutely, man. That sounds great. Great. I am Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And... And... This is what we're saying.